Welcome to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast, where you can listen to everything related to the game of golf. Golf tips to help you improve your golf game, entertaining interviews, discussions about the latest in golf equipment, and so much more. Now, here is your host, PGA professional, Steve Goforth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 15. I am your host, Steve Goforth, PGA professional at Willow Creek Golf Club. I have a fantastic episode for you this time. I'm going to be talking about how to hit your hybrids better. Are you frustrated with your hybrid? Does it scare you? Does it frustrate you? Well, if it does, you definitely want to listen to this episode to improve that. Maybe you feel comfortable with your hybrid. Maybe you like it, but you're looking for a few extra tips to help you hit it better. You still want to listen to this episode. It's going to help you a lot. And then my guest today is Brandon Becker. Brandon is a tailor-made representative. He's going to talk about all the things we need to know for tailor-made golf in 2021. It's a lengthy interview. It's an in-depth interview. You want to listen to all of it because he goes into so much detail about their product, expands on things you may not ever get to hear about tailor-made. You don't want to miss this fantastic interview. I greatly appreciate Brandon taking the time to come on and do this. I'm not going to waste any time. Let's jump right into episode number 15. Let's tee it up. Oh, he got all of that one. The hybrid club in your back can sometimes give you a lot of problems. When I'm doing a golf lesson and I'll ask a student, which club's giving you the worst problem? Which one is the one that frustrates you the most? They grab the club out of their bag. It's this one right here. They're holding that hybrid in their hand. So I want to talk to you about how to hit your hybrid better. What can you do to improve your consistency with that club and make it one of the most favorite clubs in your bag? I get the question a lot, what's the purpose of a hybrid? Why do I need this golf club? Everybody keeps telling me I need a hybrid, but why do I need it? Well, simply enough, it's supposed to take the place of your three, your four, or your five iron, and sometimes even the six or seven. And usually those longer irons are a little bit tougher to hit. And the hybrid makes it a little bit easier. Why does it make it easier? Well, because it has more bulk behind the face. The center of gravity is a little lower. You can get the ball in the air a lot easier, a lot easier typically than that three, four, or five iron. So it's taking a place of those clubs. It's supposed to be a hybrid or a mix between the high iron and a fairway wood, which sometimes is easier to get up in the air because it has all the mass behind the face of the club. So that's the whole purpose of it. Replace those higher irons, make it easier for you, get the ball in the air, get it turning over from right to left if you're a right-handed golfer, and just make life a lot simpler when we have that longer shot into the green. So now you understand why you need the hybrid or what it's for, I'm going to expand further on how to hit it better. As always, I encourage you to take notes. Go back and listen to this again if you need to. Maybe even put some earbuds in your ear. Go to the range and listen to it as you're hitting your hybrid. Whatever you need to do to help you, that's what I encourage you to do. Whatever it takes, I want to make sure it's helping you to the fullest. So get ready to take those notes. Before I get started, the things I'm going to talk to you about is coming from many years of experience teaching hundreds and hundreds of golfers on how to hit a hybrid. Also, it's from a lot of feedback from those golfers on what they struggle with with that hybrid and the shot tendencies they see that frustrate them the most. The two that I see is either one, they're hitting it way too low, they cannot get it airborne, or two, they're hitting it way too high and they lose control of it, they don't know where it's going, or they're hooking it off the planet. In order to hit your hybrid well, first and foremost, you need to make sure you fit that hybrid to your swing. I see so many players playing hybrids that do not fit them at all. It's either got too much offset or too little offset. Remember, too much offset is going to make that ball go to left on you. That's if you're a right-handed golfer. Of course, it goes right on you if you're a lefty. And then too little offset on that head will make it difficult to square the face. It's going to remain open and the ball is going to go out to the right. So make sure that the golf club has the amount of offset that you need, depending on whatever your miss hit may be, left or right. Also, when they make hybrids, they tend to make hybrids a little more upright. Why do they do that? Well, because most golfers miss their shots to the right, and being a little more upright will help the golfer 
turn that ball over, get that ball moving from right to left a little bit easier. But there's some golfers out there, they don't need that help. And when they put a hybrid in their hand, they're hooking it off the planet and they have zero confidence in it. I speak from experience on that. For years, I used to struggle finding a good hybrid that I had confidence in that I could go after and swing at without thinking that it's going to go left on me. Find a hybrid that sets up best for you. And also, it looks good to your eye. Confidence is really, really important. There could be a hybrid out there that has too much uh, bulk behind the face or maybe it has too little and it looks more like a driving iron and it just doesn't exude confidence for you. Just like you've heard me say in the past, if you've been listening to all my podcasts, confidence is huge. If you look down at the golf club and you don't feel confident in it, most likely you're not going to hit it well. So again, make sure you're getting fit for the hybrid. Make sure it's going to fit your swing. Check the offset. Either you need a little bit or you need a lot. Make sure the lie angle is set properly for you. Make sure it looks good to your eye. Let's jump into the setup. How should you set up to the hybrid? Your setup is going to depend upon how you want to hit this golf club. I see two different theories out there. You hear some instructors say, well, you're supposed to hit down on a hybrid just like you would an iron. No exceptions. I see other instructors say, hey, you know what? You're supposed to kind of sweep up at it like you would a fairway would to help it get it in the air. In my opinion... I don't think either approach is wrong. It really depends on what swing flaw, what ball flight flaw, I guess you could say, that the golfer is seeing or experiencing. Let me explain that a little bit further. If a golfer is hitting the ball too low with a hybrid, it's frustrating them, they cannot get the ball in the air, I'm going to teach that golfer to put the ball position more forward in the stance. What that means is if you take center of the stance with the ball position, Two ball widths forward would be where you typically position a three and four iron. Three ball forward would be where you position a fairway wood or hybrid, and that's usually inside your left heel. So I'm going to tell that person, position the ball two ball widths forward of center, or maybe even three, where you position your fairway wood or driver. If you're having a hard time getting the ball into the air, that makes it a little bit easier. And we're going to try to sweep up at this golf ball at impact. And then I may have a golfer coming to me and saying, Steve, listen, I am hitting this thing way too high. It's going way too far left. Help. In that case, I'm going to tell that person to position the ball a little further back in the stance, say one or two balls forward of center. And we're going to hit down on the ball like they would an iron so that it creates a little more penetrating ball flight as opposed to a higher sweeping ball flight. So it really all depends upon what flaw they're having in that golf shot with the hybrid. So just remember your ball position is important. Also, if you're having a hard time controlling that club, choke down on it at setup. Make it a little bit shorter because shorter is going to make it easier to hit. And then as you start gaining confidence with it, then you can start moving those hands back up the grip, making it longer, and then taking advantage of added length to your golf shot. If you're trying to get the ball flight in the air, you want to make sure you have a slight spine tilt behind the ball. So if you picture this, you're a right-handed golfer, you're setting up to your shot, tilt your spine behind the golf ball, or you want to feel like your right shoulder is a lot lower than your left. This will help you sweep up at it, just like you would a driver in fairway would. If you're trying to hit down onto the golf ball because you're trying to bring your ball flight down, more penetrating, like I mentioned earlier, then you want your shoulders to be a little more level. So again, it all goes back to which style do you want to be. I teach both of them because I feel like I need to adapt to what that student wants or what they feel more comfortable with. Again, neither way is wrong. So remember, spine tilt, shoulder tilt, behind the golf ball, you want to sweep up at it. More level shoulders if you want to hit down and through it. So those are some tips on how to set up to your hybrid depending on which swing style you want to create. Now let's jump into swing tips that I want to give you that will also help you. First swing tip I want to give you with your hybrid, and I think it's one of the most important, is that when you take that club back, you want to make sure you don't rush it. Don't jerk that club back quickly. Make sure it's nice and slow and low to the ground when you take it back because when you take that golf club back really fast, you're going to give yourself the possibility of rushing the entire golf swing, getting way too steep with a golf club, and there's no telling what's going to happen from there. So 
make sure your takeaway is slow and low to the ground to ensure a good tempo. And tempo is going to be absolutely critical with this golf shot. You want to learn more about tempo and balance, go back to episode 14. Listen to that where I give you tips on how to maintain a good tempo in your golf swing. Also, you want to make sure that when you create your takeaway, that you want to feel that left shoulder, again, if you're a right-handed golfer, turn behind the golf ball on your takeaway. Create that wide takeaway because that's going to help you create more club head speed, number one, which will therefore create more distance. And then two, you're going to shallow that swing out just a little bit, and it's going to help you to make better contact, not come in over the top and too steep with it. So slow and low, and then add to that wide, wide takeaway. Slow, low, and wide. I teach that a lot when it comes to woods. Slow, low, and wide will, again, create a good tempo for your golf swing and then put that golf club on a desirable plane to help you hit the golf ball a lot more consistent and at a better angle of attack. Another scenario that we run into with hybrids is we want to hit it off the tee box. Maybe we have a par three that we want to hit it into, or we have a uh, short par four or tight par four that we need to create control and get the ball in the fairway. The hybrid's perfect for those two scenarios. Just remember, if you're going to tee that ball up, make sure you tee it really low. Because if you tee it too high, you're going to get under it really easy because of the low profile design of that head. Create that sweeping motion that I talked about earlier so we can pick that ball off the tee. This is going to create more lift on the ball, of course, which will again result in longer carry distance. Bringing the ball flight up, bringing it in a little bit steeper into the green so that it stops better. Because how many times have you hit that hybrid into a green, whether it's a par three or out of the fairway, and it comes in really low screaming and it goes over the green and doesn't hold. So you want to sweep up at it and bring it in higher so it lands softer. So those are a couple of swing tips I wanted to give you when it comes to hitting that hybrid. I think the biggest thing I want you to remember from this, tempo. It's absolutely critical with this golf shot. Don't rush it with your hybrid. If you're nervous, you're excited, you're scared, whatever emotion that's running through you when you have this club in your hand because maybe you don't like the club, it's going to get intensified in your tempo, and we tend to get really quick and really rushed because we have all those emotions that are running through us. Take a deep breath. Remember that tempo is important. Don't rush it. Trust it more with these tips, and I promise you, you're going to see a lot better results. So hopefully after hearing all this, you'll feel a lot more comfortable with hitting your hybrid. I've talked about the importance of getting fit for your hybrid. I cannot express that enough. The tips on how to set up to it properly to make the swing a lot easier. And then also a few swing tips that will help you achieve the desired ball flight that you're looking for. And also the distance that you're looking for. So between the fitting, the setup, and the swing... I really feel confident in the fact that you are going to hit this club better. You're going to have a lot more confidence in it. You're going to hit more fairways. You're going to hit more greens in regulation and really get the benefits of these clubs. And most importantly, lower your scores from it. As always, if you have any questions, come see me for a golf lesson. I'd be happy to work with you on your hybrids and dive deeper into these points that I made today. Let's get you lowering those scores and get you striping that hybrid better than ever. Oh, yeah! Woo-hoo! <laughs> you gotta love that! woo You like that, baby? Let me know where I came from, yeah! If you want to take control of your health and feel so much better, I encourage you to check out Pure on Main. They have two locations on Main Street in downtown Greenville, across from the Hyatt, and another location on Cannon Street in beautiful downtown Greer. Pure on Main provides you with essential services and products, allowing you to live a healthier, more fulfilling life. Pure on Main is one of the most exclusive and unique health and wellness centers in the upstate. They've been nominated as one of Greenville's best wellness centers for five consecutive years. Betsy and her staff provide services such as colon hydrotherapy, massage therapy, ionic foot detox, and wellness consulting. They also have a store filled with beneficial items for your body and soul. Pure on Main is dedicated to helping and serving their community. Please give them a call and let them recommend the best products to help keep you and your family safe during these challenging times. I get all of my wellness supplements from them and I feel amazing. Visit their website at pureonmain.com. Again, that's pureonmain.com where you can also purchase their phenomenal products to be shipped to you for free. 
Yeah, you heard me right. Free right to your door. Or you can pick them up at their downtown Greenville or Greer locations. So what are you waiting for? Start living healthier and pure with the help of Pure on Maine. You won't regret it. Before we move forward to the next segment, I want to remind you to go follow me on social media. On Facebook, it's Go Forth Golf Instruction. Twitter, it's Go Forth Golf. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's sgoforth underscore PGA. And visit my website at goforthgolfinstruction.com. On there, you can read about my teaching philosophy. Reach out to me for scheduling a lesson. You can also see my rates and what I'm charging right now for golf lessons. Would love to work with you. Would love to improve your game and get the most out of your game as we possibly can. If I'm entertaining you with this podcast, I ask that you please go out and tell others about it. Spread the word. That word of mouth advertising helps so much. Help us grow our community and help me to reach more golfers and help them with their game and just grow the game of golf. That's what I want to do here. That's the whole purpose of this podcast is to grow the game of golf, to inspire you as much as possible to educate you, and of course, to entertain you. So please go out and tell more people about it. Share it with the foursome you play with. Share it with your golf group. Share it on social media. Tag me in it. That would be awesome as well. And if you think I deserve it, go out and give me that five-star rating on Apple. If you're listening on the Apple platform, that just puts more eyes on this podcast, helps me to reach more and more people. Thank you very much, as always, for pushing that play button. You didn't have to do it, but you did. And I want to thank you for dedicating your time to this podcast. Your support and your dedication to this podcast is appreciated more than words can possibly describe to you right now. Thank you so very much. So let's jump into the next segment. Well, we're waiting. It's now time for an interview section of the podcast, and my guest today is Brandon Becker. Brandon is a TaylorMade representative. He is here to talk about everything you want to know about TaylorMade Golf in the year 2021. They just come out with some really good drivers, a Sim 2 family of drivers, also new irons, new wedges. He's going to give a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of a glimpse into the Spider Series putters they're going to be coming out with here very soon. But one thing I was really impressed with in my interview with Brandon was how he described the culture of TaylorMade, that working environment, that team environment that TaylorMade has created within their company. And I think you really want to pay attention to this. It kind of gives you a glimpse as to why they are so successful what they do. He also goes on to talk a little bit about the golf balls, what's to be expected for 2021 with their line of golf balls, what's changing, what's staying in place, and the history of their company when it comes to their golf ball. Without further ado, let's head right into that interview with Brandon Becker with TaylorMade Golf. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You have a very busy schedule right now. For you to take the time out of that schedule to come on and be my guest on the podcast means a lot to me. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Before we dive into the fantastic equipment that TaylorMade has for 2021, let's talk about your career so far with the company. How long you've been with TaylorMade and what have you learned most by working for such a dominant company in the golf world? Yeah, um, I started with TaylorMade back in fall of 2016. Um, started uh, back home. I'm from Connecticut, so I was uh, in the I, I was an experiential rep and covered Connecticut, Rhode Island, and part of Western Massachusetts. And basically, what an experiential rep is is kind of handles all the fitting days and the custom fitting in the territory, the personal fittings, you know, and call on some of the accounts to help out the sales rep and kind of learn the ropes. So I started there. Uh, let's see, did that until about fall of 2018. So for about two years and then got this, uh, position here with TaylorMade as a sales rep territory manager for basically the Western Carolinas and Augusta, Georgia back in fall of 2018. So going on my third year in that role, um, absolutely love it down here. Happy to be here. And, um, to answer your question about you know, what have I learned working for such a dominant company um, in the golf business? And, you know, honestly, first and foremost is the culture. Working for such a large company, working for such a, a, a global company and one that's, you know, obviously got a uh, high market share, market share leader in categories, you know, throughout the equipment side of the business, um, making golf equipment. It surprises me that the culture is such a team, team first family first, family type atmosphere 
as opposed to, you know, like, you know, our CEO, I've had I've email back and forth with him. Um, I could pick up the phone and call him uh, if I needed to. He's not this mythical person at the top of, uh, of the chain, you know, that you know exists, you know their name. Uh, you probably never meet them. You probably never work with them, you know, unless you stay with the company that long. But theoretically, they'll probably be gone before then, you know, and have moved on and never know who you were. Um, it's, it's not the case at all. He's at our sales meetings, um, talks to us regularly, shake hands, uh, you know, have some type of relationship with that person. You know, it, it's just, it's different than what I expected. You know, I, I thought being such a global company, being in a market share, uh, a market leader in certain categories and growing in, in almost all the other categories that we're not, you know, I thought it would have been more corporate. You know, my dad's been a tailor-made staffer for 15 plus years. Uh, the guy I first worked with back in Connecticut, the sales rep there, you know, he told me these things. My dad told me these things that the culture is different. It's, it's a great place to work for. And, you know, I believed it, but you still think being a global company and being so high in the, in, in the market share that things got to be a lot more corporate than that. There's so many people that work for the company, so many different you know, departments and aspects, it's got to be a lot more corporate. And it's really not. I mean, I know faces and names that go to each one of those departments. So it's really amazing to me in, in that aspect. That's huge. Culture is everything. I don't care what organization you're in, whether it's a football program, whether it's a golf course, whether it's a huge company like TaylorMade or some other corporate company. When you have a good culture, people want to be there. They enjoy being there. It's a family atmosphere. Not only is that going to make their spirits higher, it's going to make them more enthusiastic about whatever it is you're doing, but they're going to buy in. They're going to be more creative, and you're going to get so much more out of those employees, out of that team, out of that company when the culture is positive. And that's, that's, that says a lot about TaylorMade, and it says a lot about why you guys are so successful. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the culture – you know, allows for those things to happen organically. You know, it's, it's not forced people. We want to work harder. We want to bring new ideas and different approaches to the table, you know, because we feel invested in the company. We feel as part of the team, we feel valuable regardless of what our role is. You know, and a lot of times great ideas come from, you know, people that are working in, in, in roles that aren't necessarily the idea roles. They're not getting paid to come up with those but they have great ideas because they're going through it on a daily basis. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, culture's huge. And the other thing, you know, especially relevant in today's world um, I've learned is just working for a manufacturer. I've learned a lot of things that, you know, never really thought about before. There's teams that do everything. Um, you know, the, the signage you see when you walk in, the display unit the clubs are sitting on, obviously the clubs themselves with the research and R&D and the engineers, you know, the marketing with the commercials on the TV, our website, there's a whole team that does that. Our custom, and I'm not talking about the custom where they build the golf clubs, I'm talking about literally the assembly line in a warehouse. You know, the computers that are on that assembly line, the process that goes into it, we're looking at custom as a product, as if it were a driver or a putter or a golf ball our custom assembly line, our custom process as a product itself and trying to improve that. It's those types of things that unless you're, you're in this industry or in, this type, in, in a business like this, you don't really ever think about it. You go to a store, you see a sign, you, know, you just think, it's a, you know, oh, that's good advertisement or whatever. There's literally a whole team of people that are coming up with ideas and, and designs and, and all these things that you never really think about, they just happen in the world around us. So I got a little bit of an appreciation for that, having worked you know, for this company and, and knowing some of the people that are involved in, in that process. So it's pretty cool. Let's talk about the drivers. You guys have always been known to have a, a tremendous presence with your drivers and huge success. You guys have debuted the new Sim 2, the Sim 2 Max, and the Sim 2 Max D. Run through those characteristics of each driver and maybe even the type of golfer that they're designed for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, initial launch has been great. Early feedback has been tremendous. Pre-sale has been great. 
you know, the formula kind of stays the same versus last year. You know, we had Sim, Sim Max, and Sim Max D. This year we have Sim 2 Max, or Sim 2, Sim 2 Max, and Sim 2 Max D. So we still have the three models. Aside from the name, though, and, and the name of the models, pretty much the driver's been reconstructed from the ground up. You know, the face of the driver, we still have twist face on it, but the ports on the face are gone. So what we're doing is we're machine milling the backside of the face, which allows us to control where the illegal spots are on the driver. So if you're not familiar, since we had twist face and we started the speed injected side of twist face, basically what we do with our drivers is make them illegal so that they spring off the face faster than they're allowed to. And then what we do is put them through an extra manufacturing process where they're all measured and we find out exactly what we need to do to bring those back to the legal limit. So what we do then is inject a resin material into that speed port, which in previous generations was on the face. There were two ports, one on the heel, one on the toe. We're now doing that because we can skew those hot spots towards the toe side of the club. We can just inject through the toe so we can actually put that speed port on the toe of the club, not on the face itself, on the toe. Of it. So the next time, you know, any of the listeners, anytime you're in a golf shop, a golf store, take a look at the driver. Don't look at the face. Look at the toe of the club. You'll see a little blue screw on there. That's the speed injected side. So we're still doing that. It's just done a little, a little cleaner. So it's not on the face of the club. So see something I've, I've noticed with the driver and it really stood out to me was all the carbon on there. I know you, you yeah. talk about how the carbon can be used to distribute because it's light, you, it saves weight. You can distribute that weight elsewhere in that head to make it more dynamic, to make it perform better. And I was just shocked to see how much carbon was on there, but it makes a lot of sense knowing that, Hey, with you having that carbon on the head, you can do so much more with the weight manipulation. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's basically the name of the game with, with the woods these days. And, and actually the clubs in general is, you know, the more weight we can save, the more discretionary weight the engineers have, the more they can do with it, put it in better places to make the club perform better, whether it's more forgiving, you know, higher launch, lower spin, more stability, whatever it is, you know, they can do that uh, with more discretionary weight. So, the, the carbon fiber, we do have more carbon fiber on the new new version, the SIM2, SIM2 Max, and SIM2 Max D. The carbon fiber on the top is pretty much the same constructually. It's just a different color versus last year. But if you look at the bottom of the club, we have a full carbon fiber sole, which in previous generations we did not. So we're saving a bunch of weight there, especially in the SIM2 model versus the SIM. There's no sliding weight anymore. There's no track there. Um, the track and the weight take up a substantial amount of weight. So by getting rid of those, uh, it allows us to make a much better performing driver. So it's still going to be the lower launch, lower spin of the three models. Um, the max is going to kind of be, quote unquote, your mid-launch, mid-spin. And the D-type would be your higher launch, higher spin of the three. And then... On top of that, so we have the carbon fiber that we save a lot of weight. We've now in the SIM2, SIM2 Max, SIM2 Max D line, the 2021 line, we've added this forged aluminum ring or halo, whatever you want to call it, that blue piece on the back. So if you look at it when you're in the store, that's made, made out of forged aluminum, which is 40% lighter than titanium. So all of that blue on there is saving us extra weight versus the previous generation. So again, more discretionary weight, we can make it launch higher, spin less, and be more stable. Well, it's so great you're explaining that because you see drivers sitting on the shelf and golfers think, oh, that's just part of the design. I wonder why they did that. But hearing you say that makes total sense. And when you see it, it's like, oh, okay, this is what this is for. And it's not just for looks. Absolutely. Uh, pretty much everything on that club has been put there for a specific reason, including the, the gray area on the top of the crown on the front side of the driver mm -hmm. that's that's pretty much because of the tour um they love the fact and that goes back to what was it 2011 or 2010 when we had the white drivers they love the contrast of the black face to the white or gray top line right. allows them to line it up better see the club face better um and feel more confident standing over their shots it obviously makes us a little distinguished amongst our other competitors because no one else is doing it, but it's really the tour that really wants that, that loves that. That's why we keep it in the line. So everything on the club is there for a specific reason. 
there could be a little bit of misconception, I think, with when, when a golfer is evaluating each of these three drivers. We have the Sim 2, and some guys think, well, it's from mid to low handicap golfers. The Sim 2 Max is for a mid handicap, and the Sim 2 Max D is for a mid or high handicap golfer. But that's not always the case, correct? I mean, you, it depends on how you want that golf ball to launch and how it's going to affect your distance, give you more distance, but about consistency as well. It doesn't really mean you have to go with a certain type of driver, depending on what your handicap level is. It's just really about which one is going to optimize your launch angle, which one's going to optimize your distance and your ball speeds. Correct. So, you know, there is a, a little bit of a correlation. The, the SIM2 is you know, technically the lowest MOI driver, the max is the next, and then the D is, is the highest MOI. But that doesn't necessarily mean that a mid or even a high handicap player can't play the SIM 2 or that the SIM 2 might not work best for them. You know, nowadays we highly recommend getting fit for, for golf clubs. You know, that includes driver. Uh, and it's mainly because the golf ball doesn't know what your handicap is, doesn't know anything about you. It just knows when it gets smacked by that club face, you know, physics is going to take over and it's going to do its thing. So right. we want to make sure, yeah, we want to make sure that once that happens, depending on your launch and your spin, those are the two main things. Um, ball speed matters, um, but it, it, it really comes down to launch and spin because if you have high ball speed with bad launch and spin numbers, the ball isn't going to go as far is if you have a lower ball speed with the proper launch and spin. Um, so ideally we wanna maximize all three. We want high ball speed. We wanna have the ball launch in a certain window given um, the speed that it's coming off of. And we want it to have the proper type of spin on it. You know, just because you launch it high doesn't mean it's gonna go further. It might go shorter because if it's launching high with a lot of spin versus someone who's launching it low with high spin, it's probably going to actually carry uh, shorter and it's not going to roll out anywhere. So it really depends. There's, there's kind of a balancing act. And for the most part, you can think, you know, if you're low, low, low launch, you want more spin. And if you're real high launch, you want lower spin. And it's not something that you can really do on your own unless you have a trained eye for it because you can't see launch. Launch happens literally at impact. And then pretty much what you're seeing after that, for the most part, is the spin of the golf ball. The launch has already happened and the spin's kind of taking over outside of the extreme windows on the, on the very high and very low side of the spectrum. You know, it's hard to see what 12 degrees of launch looks like because it's already happened and really the spin's kind of taken over. But if you pop it up and you hit 20, 25 degrees launch, you can see what that looks like, you know, and if you kind of hit it off the bottom of the face and it comes off real low, you can see what four degrees of launch looks like. Um, but kind of in that window where we really want to be, it's, it's hard to see launch because it happens, in, you know, instantaneous. Right. You mentioned earlier about the tour guys. You guys have dominated with your tour presence. Tiger, DJ, Matthew Wolf, Ricky Fowler, Rory, just, just to name a few. What's the feedback you get from those guys and maybe even the latest from the LPGA tour when they talk about the equipment, how it's helped their game, how it's helped them improve their tour stats? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, feedback across the board has been great. It's something that we seek and, and look for. So when we have products that are getting ready to come out, you know, our, our, our team is working on products ahead of time. They bring them out, show them to the tour, you know, before any of us see it. Um, and they come out as, as prototypes and they're maybe not even played on in, in an event because they're not legal at this point. There's, they haven't passed any of that testing. This is just kind of raw feedback. We're trying to get information from the tour players. Um, and then we use that in the design of the club and, and hope that when we put it all together, that the feedback again is great. Like, you know, you took our feedback, you ran with it, you changed this, you altered that. And this year's line um, is no exception. It goes back to, you know, starting with the golf ball. I mean, Rory McIlroy, that's one of the reasons why if not the reason why he decided to go with TaylorMade was because of the golf ball. He said it was the, the best golf ball he ever played. Um, it was the best ball in the wind. Um, it, it's something we hear out on the tour regularly is that our ball performs extremely well in the wind. And part of that is because it launches slightly higher with slightly less spin than your average tour ball. So it has less um, manipulation from, from crosswind or into the wind. It, carries a little bit further as a result, but it stops just as quickly because it's falling at a steeper angle. Part of the reason why uh, Ricky Fowler switched over. He, I mean, he had been with a competitor his entire career, 
switched over to TaylorMade. You know, as a sales rep, I started receiving phone calls from accounts that didn't do much business or at least didn't stock our golf ball, wanting to bring our golf ball in because Ricky Fowler made the switch. You know, I want to see personally what your golf ball is about, or I have members that are asking for it because, you know, when a guy that's, he's been playing the same golf ball his whole career and then switches over, you know, that, that has a ripple effect. So I noticed that and saw that in in my business personally, but we saw it as a company as a whole. That's huge. Anytime you get anybody from tour, from the tour, such as a Ricky Fowler, such as Rory, Tiger, playing the driver and the irons. I mean, that, that carries a lot of weight with it. And people see that as like, you know what, if they're making the switch, they're the best players in the world. Maybe I should do the same. Yes. And, and that, you know, everything we do with our products at this point is performance driven. So it needs to be measurably better than the previous model um, for us to bring it out to market. And that goes across the board and in, in, in every category. So putters, obviously, you know, we went from, you know, hardly any market share realistically and that not much of a tour presence to several guys, all of our staffers, you know, and not several non-staffers playing tailor-made putters out on the PGA tour. Um, wedges, same thing happened with the wedges, the high toe wedge, you know, kind of became a craze there for a while when it first came out, we actually didn't have a name for it. So again, kind of going back to where I say we get, um, tour feedback. So we brought it out as a prototype, showed it to the players, they tested it out and, and guy after guy, gal after gal kept mentioning, you know, oh, it's got a high toe, you know, it's got the full scoring lines. They kept saying this high toe thing, we decided to run with it and, and name it that. So that wedge kind of, that one more than anything really kind of uh, put us on the map for wedges. Um, it was a, a quote unquote, a niche wedge for your higher lofted when you're opening the club face up, but it really kind of spurred us to broaden and and make our mg wedges and our mg2 wedges better uh because we were we were being played out on tour much more and guys and gals that aren't tailor-made staffers were using this wedge and asking coming onto the tour truck and asking to have a wedge built for them so they can try it out because they've heard nothing but great things about it let's talk about that wedge for just a second it's called the high toe raw wedge what's up with the raw name why is it called that so that's something um, that actually came out last year in the MG2 wedge. So we have that available in our kind of more standard traditional looking wedge available in chrome and black. And we're now offering it this year in our high toe. Um, and the raw is basically, it, it stands for raw face. Uh, so the rest of the wedge is finished. It's plated. It's not going to rust. But the face is designed so that it's it's raw. It's not coated. It will rust. So... Mm-hmm. You know, years ago when I when I grew up and my dad's hand-me-downs, they were all raw wedges. Um, the downside to that at retail, you know, when you go in a store and you're looking around, if the wedge had been sitting there for a while, it would have rust on it sitting in the shop. Um, at the time, you know, there was a transition in retail where, you know, people didn't want to spend and pay full price for something that's got rust on it. You know, totally get it and understand. So, you know, raw kind of went away, but it never left the tour. Um, most players on any of the tours play some type of raw wedge, whether it's raw face or an entirely raw wedge. And it's strictly because of performance and also feel. Um, a raw wedge has a slightly different feel to it than a plated wedge. You know, for lack of a better term, it, it feels better. It feels softer. It feels, feels like you're spinning the ball more. Now, out of the fairway, there's not a big difference between a plated wedge and a raw wedge. You know, if it's dry, normal conditions, it's not going to do much of a difference. Where it is going to make a difference is, you know, if, if the ball's wet, the grass is wet. For those of you who play in the morning, it's definitely going to make a difference. How many times have you hit the shot? You know, you got 60 yards and you're trying to finesse one in there and hit a soft wedge and you catch it high on the face, road up the face. Well, that's because the moisture on the club you know, we, we try to design the groove so it'll channel as much of that as possible, but let's face it, the ball still rides up the face. The raw wedge does a much better job of doing that. So it will grab the urethane cover on the golf ball quicker. Even if you're not playing a urethane ball, it'll grab the golf ball quicker. So basically it launches about a degree lower with twice as much spin on your, your finesse shots, your 40 to 80 yards, um, if your normal wedge is around 100. 
Um, so any type of where you're kind of taking something off of it, you're going to get substantially more spin with a raw wedge versus a plated wedge. Tour feedback on what we are known for, um, you know, metal woods and irons has, has been great. You know, the irons, uh, they play, honestly, mostly the, the player's irons, the MBs, um, the MCs. A uh, few guys are playing the TW irons. Um, you know, they'll, they'll dabble in the 790s or the Max, or um, I don't think anybody's put the OS on in play, but they'll play those in the longer irons, looking for a little bit more forgiveness and distance. And feedback on the woods has been uh, really good. So they've noticed the slightly higher launch. So some guys are tweaking the lofts that they play or trying different shafts to pair up again with, you know, what we talked about with fitting. We want it to be coming out in the right launch window with the right spin characteristics and things like that. So they're tweaking those things. Um, but the biggest kind of, you know, with these guys, they can get fit into anything. Anything can work for them. One of the biggest feedbacks we've had is, is the sound and feel is tremendous. It's much improved. You know, guys are hitting it a couple times and saying my old, my old one's out of the bag, you know, let's get this one dialed in. Um, you know, which every year, you know, sometimes it's a struggle to get the, the driver in their bags um, just to get it to do what they want it to do. But this year in particular, we're hearing a lot about the sound um, feel and the look of the driver being much improved and, you know, feedback's been great in that area. Let's talk about the new additions with the irons. What's being introduced and what's staying in the line for 2021? Great question. So we always have some carryover. Um, P790, which has been a, a beast for us. It's been our number one selling iron since it came out. Um, that still carries over. Uh, it's Those are two-year product cycles. So P790 is current. Back in the fall, we launched P770, which was like 7, 790's little brother. Um, just a smaller version of the iron. Uh, it's weaker lofted. It's geared a little more towards workability and control as opposed to the 790 being kind of the best of both worlds, distance, forgiveness, and a little bit of a smaller package. 790, then 770, then we have our P7MC, which is our muscle cavity. Player's iron, it's just a single, uh, single piece of metal, 1025 carbon steel forged from a 2000 ton press, five step forging process. And then our P7MB, which is the same forging process. It's just the MB version. There's no muscle cavity in the back. There's a little bit of uh, weight on the toe on the back side of the club. And that's just designed to move the CG of the club towards the middle, as opposed to with your typical blade, it would be in the heel of the club because of the hosel. Um, and then our P7 TW irons, those carry on. Um, those are Tiger Woods' irons. You can order them custom to your specs if you want, or if you wanted a collector set or wanted to see what it's like to play Tiger specs, you can order them to Tiger specs. No, that's awesome. And then our, and yeah, a really cool set of irons. Um, great, whether it's collectors or, you know, for those that want to play them or, or attempt to play them. Um, it's cool that his products that he plays, his equipment, is available as is um, no manipulations no changes at, at retail which has never been the case before on that point tiger we work with tiger um he's he's kind of our, our he's our number one guy to go to and ask his thought and, and his opinion on how something looks sounds feels um he gives obviously tremendous feedback he's dialed in to do you know it took nine different i believe it was nine different versions of the iron over, I believe it was two and a half years in order to get his iron correct. And he would, we would bring one out to him and he would say the CG location's off by a millimeter. And they'd say, yeah, right, dude, there's no way you can, there's no way you can tell that. And they'd go measure it on the machine and it was off by a millimeter. You know, the offset's off by, by a millimeter or the weight, the swing weight's off by a half of a swing weight, you know, or by two grams and he'd be precise. And every time he was accurate. So we really basically have stopped measuring and just do what he says. Um, on the final version, basically we had everything dialed in, everything was perfect. And he was hitting his seven iron, it was coming out of one window and hitting our seven iron, it was coming out of another window a little bit higher than that, we couldn't figure it out. And then he finally fessed up and said, he has tungsten weight behind the sweet spot in his irons. So behind his sweet spot, he bores out a little bit of the metal, puts some tungsten weight in there, and they refinish the back of the club so you can't ever see it. But nobody ever knew that until, you know, he kind of came out with that information. 
I watched the Tiger Woods project. I don't know if anybody, if you haven't watched that, go out and watch that. It really gives you a behind the scenes look at how precise they get his irons dialed in. There's tailor made representatives there. He's got, he's got his own personal builder, uh, club builder that's involved as well. I believe he's employed with TaylorMade as well, if I'm not mistaken, but wonderful glimpse into the world of Tiger Woods and his golf equipment. And I was thoroughly impressed with how much detail TaylorMade went into to make sure these things were precise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we're throwing his name on it and saying that this is his equipment, you can, you can order what he plays. We wanted to make sure that that was authentic and true. So, um, you know, I know they spent a lot of time on that, but he's, you know, kind of one of our go-tos if we have a question on, hey, how's this sight line look, you know, versus this one or color scheme or whatever it might be. You know, he gives great feedback on, on that kind of stuff. He's got obviously a great eye and a great sense for it. Um, but circling back to what, um, where we started, so our new irons for this year are our game improvement irons. It's our uh, Sim 2 Max and our Sim 2 Max OS irons. Those are brand new, just launched in February. Those are a, a, a big improvement on last year's model. Um, basically, we call it a catback design versus last year's. Um, and what it, what it is, is it's almost like a hollow head construction, kind of like a 790. But instead of having speed foam in there, we have this material. It's called Hybrar. It's kind of a, a, a blend of rubber and polyurethane, I believe it is. And essentially what it does is it does a really good job of dampening vibration. So we have more of that material down on the bottom of the club. So it keeps the CG of the club nice and low. And then this cap back design is, is put on the back of the club. So it, it almost looks like a, like a blade type where it's flat on the back, especially in the Sim 2 Max. The OS has some cavity to it still, um, but it looks pretty flat, pretty flush, almost like a 790. And what that allows us to do is reinforce the entire top line instead of like in last year's model with the speed bridge, we we're only able to reinforce part of the top line. And basically what that does is allows us to get faster off the face, better face deflection. We get higher launch and, and faster ball speeds. So um, sound and feel also we're using all sound dampening and, and vibration dampening um, materials. Even the bonding material that we use has, has some, of that material in it to make it sound and feel better sound and feels a big aspect of the game the club can perform really well but if, if you hate the way it sounds or looks you know it's it's a funny game a lot of it's played six inches uh between Absolutely. between your ears and yeah you know if it doesn't check those boxes it doesn't really have uh, much of a fighting chance so we actually have a a team of engineers that just work on acoustics really um yes so that's, that's all their job is, is to work on acoustics. You know, if we put um, some material here, how does it work? You know, if we add more over here, how does that sound? Um, and just really trying to fine tune each specific club, you know, throughout the whole product line so that it has a better sound and feel to it. Certainly we want the performance of the club to, to be at its, at its highest, but if it doesn't sound good coming off there or if it doesn't feel good, you need to highly consider moving away from that club. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's important. Um, it, can, it can kill a good golf club. It can kill a great golf club. And any good fitter that's, that's working with you should ask you, how's it look? How's it, how's it sound? How's it feel? And those might sound like silly questions. Like, what does it matter, man? Just, just tell me how it's working, how it's performing. But those yeah. are questions that, you know, any good fitter is asking because if, if it doesn't check those boxes, you know, it's kind of difficult to move too far forward in that, knowing that you don't like the product. It's like going to buy a car. You know, if the car's got everything, but the salesperson didn't ask you what color you wanted, and it's bright red, and you just don't want a red car, you're probably not going to buy the car. Buy that car. Um, same, same is true with uh, with golf clubs and golf equipment. Brandon, I have to be honest with you. When TaylorMade entered the golf ball market back in 1999, I can't believe it's been that long. I was skeptic. I got to be honest. I didn't think you guys would outlast the powerhouses. At that time, it was Tideless, Slazinger, who I used to work for, and Maxfly. Now, you guys are one of the best balls on the market and leading the way with your five-layer technology. Tell me about this year's line of golf balls and the success you guys have had. Yeah, we've, uh, we've come a long way. I remember my dad gave me some tailor-made golf balls when I was a kid. They were called Inner Gels. And, you know, I still – 
I don't, I don't know a ton about the golf ball, but you know, that, that model didn't quite work out, but we've come a long way uh, since then. Yeah. I remember um, that golf ball. Yeah. It came in like a plastic tube with a, with a cap yeah. on them. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no, we've come a long way and it's really driven, you know, by our tour ball and driven by our five layer technology and our tour ball. So our tour ball is our TP5, our TP5X. It also comes in yellow in this uh, PIX pattern that actually Ricky Fowler uh, helped design, co-designed with us. He plays it every day. It's his everyday ball. And so does Matt Wolf. Um, it's got a nice little alignment aid built into it. So if you line up, you know, if you like practicing putting, if you're looking to make some adjustments or changes, you struggle with alignment, any of those types of things, it's a great ball. Um, I play it myself, um, mainly because I don't let my buddies play it and I don't have to mark my golf ball. And uh, when I hit one sideways, I can just leave it out on the golf course for somebody to find and hopefully like it and enjoy it and, uh, and, and convert them over. But um, that's a great the, marketing tool there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except I don't get to play much golf. So um, <laughs> we'll have to shoot that one up the ladder to the marketing department and tell yeah. them we're wasting a valuable resource. That's right. That's <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyways, uh, the, the five layer technology, what it allows us to do is it allows us to kind of decouple launch and spin. So I know I've mentioned, you know, how important launch and spin are in various aspects of the game, but, you know, essentially the, the formula for distance, you know, is higher launch and lower spin is going to produce more distance. Um, but we obviously, we don't want to hit drivers into the green. We want the ball to stop. So depending on what club you're hitting, you want it to work, you know, differently. So that's what the five layers do, depending on, what club you're hitting, each one of those layers is going to react differently. So it allows us to have a long ball off the tee, but then when you get green side, only certain, you know, layers are going to activate when you hit a chip shot and it's going to generate just a lot of spin. It's not designed for distance at that point. So um, all of our TP balls have a urethane cover on them. Um, it's a, it's kind of a two piece not an injected molding. Um, it's, it's a two piece that's put together. You know, you can almost think about like a, a muffin pan or something like that, where you fill one side with urethane, you fill the other side with urethane. Um, and then you put the core in the middle and kind of sandwich them together and let it process. Only us and one other company do that. It's the most uh, precise way to make a urethane golf ball. So it's really high performance golf balls. Those are our TP balls designed to be long off the tee, long and spin off your irons, and then really spin a lot with your wedges. Really good sound and feel off of a putter as well. Um, if you're not sure which one to use, typically the X is gonna be your lower spin of the two, so it might go a little bit further. Um, and the five is gonna have a little more green side spin, but we have a new version of the ball launching uh, March 5th. Those the five historically has been, you know, the spinnier and it still will be spinnier, but it's going to have a larger core. So it'll be a little faster off the tee and X will have a little bit more spin around the green. So they get a little closer together, but still X is your lower spin and five is your spinnier version of the ball. Just because it's a tour ball doesn't mean that you need to have X amount of club head speed to play it. Um, that's where those layers are going to engage depending on how much speed you put into it. They're going to perform differently. So a tour ball really is the best ball on the market for anyone's game. But obviously, you know, if you don't play a lot or, you know, you lose a lot of golf balls, you don't want to spend that, that, uh, higher ticket price point. You know, we, we moved down to our next tier of golf balls, our tour response. It's a three piece urethane golf ball. So, and I believe at the, the present where the market stands right now, it's at $34.99. It's one of, if not the lowest, um, you know, priced urethane golf balls out on the market. It's actually our spinniest golf ball we make. So if you're somebody who loves spin, wants a soft golf ball, wants to feel great. Then after that, so that's our tour response. It's a great ball. It's really good for this time of year when it's cold and everything kind of, you know, is already compressed to begin with. Everything sounds a little louder and hurts when you miss hit it. it yeah. It's a good ball in that area. You're going to get a little more spin. Typically this time of year, you'll get a little more distance out of it because of that. And then uh, below that is our, our soft response golf ball. It's a three piece ionomer. So it's the same golf ball without that urethane cover. It's at a $25 price point. 
And then you get into kind of your value balls. We have our tailor-made distance, our distance plus golf ball, which has a new alignment aid on the side of it. So every golf ball pretty much made nowadays has the alignment aid on the side. Well, we basically made it into a plus sign. So not only do you get the alignment with your putting with the line that you're trying to be on, but also for your putter face to make sure that the putter face is square set up to that perpendicular to your line. Um, and then we also have the noodle franchise. So we have noodle long and soft and easy, easy distance golf balls, you know, some colored noodle paint balls as well. So depending on, you know, how much you want to spend, what your level is, what you're looking for in a golf ball, we can check every box and, you know, with high quality performance golf balls, you know, a lot different than, you know, back in the day with the inner gel. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. You guys have come a long way since then. I highly suggest anybody listening to this, if you're confused about which golf ball you need to play, Brandon's done a wonderful job of explaining that, but you can also go to their website. You can see the characteristics of each golf ball. You can understand what that golf ball is going to give you. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about with the driver. It doesn't necessarily mean you've got to fit into a particular golf ball, depending on what kind of golfer you are, what level of golfer you are. It really just depends on what characteristics you're looking for. If you're looking to spend the ball more, spend the ball less, bring the ball down, bring the ball up. If you want more distance, you just find the golf ball that fits whatever characteristics you want. Correct. Um, you know, typically the, the tour ball will do all of that. And then you have your higher spin or your lower spin version of that. Um, you know, our price point, I don't think I mentioned, um, those are, are going to be forty-seven ninety-nine. If you don't want to spend that, um, you know, for that, that type of golf ball, you can get, other features that are, are part of the TP ball um, in the other line. You know, uh, the tour response will, like I said, will be our spinniest ball. Our soft response is a really good overall ball, but spins less than the tour response. And then you get into kind of the value balls, which typically a value ball is not going to spin as much. And, and which really you're going to see that more around the greens. You know, if you ever wonder, you know, how, how do those pros hit those shots where they, you know, they hop one or two times and then they check and stop. Well, one, they're using a urethane golf ball. You can't really do it without a urethane golf ball. And two, they obviously know how to do it. There is a technique and you can go see Steve to, to teach you that technique. If you want to learn that technique. That's um, right. But yes. So, um, but you know, if your ball's rolling out a lot on the greens and you want that to stop, try something that spins more. If you're just looking for pure distance, try something that spins a little less, maybe. Um, you know, and it's and it's it's something. You know, the nice thing, you know, at the golf courses in particular, you can buy them by the sleeve. So if you're not sure, yeah, get a sleeve of each, try them out. Um, you know, and give it a fair shot. See see how they work out. Ask uh, Steve for some some advice. If it's not doing what you want it to do, go to our website. Um, like Steve mentioned, there's, there's plenty of material out there. And then eventually, you know, unfortunately due to COVID, we're not able to do ball fittings right now. That is something that we have done in the past and we are absolutely looking to do, do again as soon as we can do them again safely. But eventually we'd like to get back to it. And I highly recommend, you know, when, if and when you get the opportunity to do a ball fitting, you'd be surprised at, at the results. Yeah, I agree. And you going back to what you mentioned earlier with, um, you know, spinning the ball more, I get that question a lot. Hey, Steve, I want to spin the ball. Can you teach me how? Absolutely. It does have something to do with how you attack that golf ball, the angle of attack. But the next question uh, I ask is what golf ball are you playing? Because that makes a gigantic difference on how well you're going to spin the ball. I can teach you how to compress it or put that spin on it with your club and your club path and club angle all day long. But if you're playing the wrong golf ball, it doesn't matter. So terrific points, Brandon. And, and the ball fitting is, is also a great idea whenever you guys start doing that again. I didn't get a chance to talk much about the spider line of putters that are uh, coming out here soon. These things are red hot. They've been red hot for years. They're, they're fantastic putters. But can you give us a little bit of glimpse as to what we could expect in, in 2021 with these new spider putters? Yeah, absolutely. The, the spider has been great. Uh, actually, when I first started with the company, that was kind of the first year we were um, we were launching them. Um, and I joked with one of the guys that I, I was training me at the time. And I was like, this is going to be our number one seller. And at the time, we had the original TP putter coming out. And he, he laughed. He's like, no, we wish that would be our number one seller. but 
it's going to be RTP. You know, it's the price point butter. And at, at the time, the reason why I said that is nobody was really making mallets that were anything but face balanced. And a majority of golfers, whether they're trying to or not, you know, we stand on the side of the golf ball. When you swing the putter back, it, it naturally wants to open and close a little bit. So I think that really, you know, for the tour guys, that made a big difference. And then once, like, it's, you know, I mentioned before, we're very tour driven and think that the tour can influence a lot of things. You know, they're the expertise in this area. Um, and once they saw that and were able to get something that worked more with their strokes, they adopted it. And once you start seeing them on TV, you saw Jason Day with that red putter, Dustin Johnson still using that black putter. You know, I don't think, even though we want to sell putters, I think he'd be nuts to ever change that thing. Um, <laughs> seems like he always wins when he has that in the bag. Yeah. But, um, you know, that really kind of started things for us. And then ever since then, it's just been kind of fine tuning this thing, making it better. Um, it was our number one model by far. Um, that year and has been our number one model selling putter since. So this year, I can't say exactly what the names in, are going to be, but we will have essentially four versions of a spider type putter coming out. Um, we'll have an update to something that's, you know, been out there. Um, actually, we'll have two updates to putters that have been out there um, that are just going to be kind of refreshed. The visuals and optics, they'll have some new technologies built into them but you're familiar with the overall kind of model. And then we have two new models, which we haven't done before, um, that are in the quote unquote spider franchise. They will have some type of spider name to them that should do really well. One of those I'm referring to will be our flagship spider putter. Um, it'll be the new latest and greatest version of the spider. Um, It'll be available in a few different colors, a few different neck configurations, depending on, you know, how much you arc it. If you like to take it straight back, straight through, you know, all that good stuff has laminates built into it. Really good, really technologically advanced putter. Um, it'll also have, you know, a new piece to it um, that we haven't changed on a putter in a very long time. Um, so that's just a, a little teaser on that. And then the other model is, is a familiar model. Um, that's, you know, the, the shape of it is something we've kind of done before, but it's been rebranded into, you know, the spider franchise. So, you know, two, two refreshes to, um, you know, quote unquote classics that have been out there. And then two new things that are, that are coming. Two of the putters will launch in mid-March and two in April. Brandon, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast. You have given us a lot of fantastic information about TaylorMade and what you guys are coming out with in 2021 or already come out with in 2021. I'm very excited about it. I hope the listeners are. know they will be. You guys are doing a wonderful job. Keep doing what you're doing. And if you guys, again, have any other questions about what Brandon has talked about, in today's podcast, go to the website. It's TaylorMadeGolf.com. Again, TaylorMadeGolf.com. You can also follow them on all social media platforms. And they also have a podcast out there called Team TaylorMade Podcast. Go check that out when you, get a when you get a chance. It's a really good podcast. They share a lot of their information about what they're doing with their golf equipment on there as well. Brandon, congratulations on everything you guys are doing right now. I'm super happy for you guys. And uh, again, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the podcast. Steve, absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Look forward to the next time. Absolutely. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes episode number 15. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to hit that play button. You didn't have to do it, but you did do it. So thank you so very much for your loyalty and dedication to the podcast. Remember, you can always go back and listen to this episode again or past episodes again. So if you want to take those notes about how to hit that hybrid better, or maybe it was something that Brandon said about TaylorMade that you want to remember when you go out and shop for TaylorMade product, Whatever the case may be, go back and listen again. Take those notes. You have endless chances of listening to this podcast or any other previous podcast that I've put out there. 
Don't forget to tell people you know about the podcast. Help me grow my audience. I really do appreciate that. Your help and consideration is tremendously appreciated. Tell the other people in your foursome. Share it on social media, whatever the case may be. Anything you can do to help grow our audience and help me to reach more people and help me to help more people is what it's all about. So thank you for your consideration on that. Don't forget that episode 16 will drop in two weeks. Remember, I'm in a new format. Two weeks. In that episode, I'm going to talk about how to practice your short game effectively, and I'm going to take listener questions. So if you have any questions you want to hear on this podcast, email those to me, sgoforth at pga.com. It's real simple, sgoforth at pga.com. You can also reach out to me in social media, DM me. If you want to send those questions that way, I want to get as many questions as I can, answer as many questions as possible, and get it out there on the podcast. Hear your name, hear your question. It's really cool, so I encourage you to reach out to me. Until the next episode, I hope you hit your drives long and straight, hit more greens and regulation, and I hope you drain more putts. And most importantly, have fun. That's what it's all about. That's why we are out there. Don't forget to do something nice for somebody today, and remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game. You've been listening to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to receive alerts on new episodes. For more information, please follow us on social media at Go Forth Golf Instruction or visit our website at GoForthGolfInstruction.com. Remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game.